This is Patrick and Vanessa Zangardi, and you're listening to Demand and Brand. The podcast where we cover marketing trends and techniques to help you succeed in marketing. All right, welcome to another episode of Demand and Brand podcast. Today, we are excited to talk about your website and where that fits in your overall marketing strategy. Yes, websites, everyone's best friend and worst enemy. I feel like businesses and people have a love-hate relationship with them, right? Businesses know they're necessary, but I don't think they understand how necessary they actually are in today's age. So we're going to kind of talk through why they're so important, kind of like the whole hub and spoke model of the way that your marketing kind of emanates from that. Some tips, some practices, some all that kind of stuff like that too, to really make sure you understand the importance of having a user-friendly website. Absolutely. I think the common, I guess like the common issue or the common problem that we see with websites is they've become in many cases, a check the box kind of marketing asset. And in a lot of organizations today, they're an afterthought, um, specifically in sales led organizations, which may have a sales team or something like that. The website is typically an afterthought or it's a check the box. Um, we also commonly will see a website as like a brochure, mm-hmm. something that it just kind of communicates what you do and maybe specifications or about the product or service, but it doesn't actually answer questions that an audience may have. Yeah. And I think it's important to think about like kind of where the website fits in, in the marketing mix. So it is absolutely important, but it is not the only thing that needs to be created as far as a digital asset goes in order to do marketing the 2023 plus digital way, right? right? Your website fits into your marketing mix as that central hub, as that the the earth or the magnet and everything else, the earth was a weird thing, the <laughs> magnet and everything else kind of is attracted to it. In in this case is pointing you know, your consumer back, back and back and back to your website. There's a few reasons for that. And I think one of the most important important reasons why that is the way that it is is because you own that asset. Right. Absolutely. So the the reason that we like to think of marketing, excuse me, a website as the central hub or the nucleus, if you will, of a web uh, of a marketing campaign is really because it's the only thing you truly have full control and autonomy over. And what we mean by that is in the day and age where most marketers are relying on external platforms like um, social media or um, trade shows or you know magazines or something like that, what you're doing when you're utilizing those platforms, which are all extremely important and viable, is you're, le- you're allowing somebody else's Um, platform or that leverage that they have to benefit you and if we're talking about social media if we're talking about um, you know LinkedIn or TikTok or whatever as an example here we're reliant on their algorithm we're reliant on their terms of service we're reliant on so many things for them to amplify and to distribute your message 
where with your website, you have full control over that. And there are other platforms like email marketing and stuff where you have more control as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Podcasting is a great example as well. You can control that message. Um, But we love the website because that is truly managed and owned by you. And it also can serve as that place that is always a central source of truth as it relates to your marketing message that then gets distributed out to your social platforms and your social platforms then point people back to your site and then out to your other platforms and then back to your site. Everything always comes back to the hub. Yeah, yeah. And it's really great too because the availability of analytics even outside of the changes that have been made from like original Google Analytics, let's say, to like GA4 and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you can still see a lot of data and information But that's only if you're leveraging your website in a way that not only users want to experience your site, but also if you're taking the time to look at that data and like kind of synthesize it and understand what's going on and things like that. Now, we're not saying, you know, don't do anything as far as like backlinks or SEO or don't ever link to somebody else's social or their website, right? We're not saying that, but your default should be you own the asset because you want to drive that conversation and you want to also own those metrics so that you can kind of see what's working, what's not working and et cetera, et cetera. So hundred percent agree with every point that you just made. The, the website is, it's a platform that works for you all the time. It's a platform that you can update um, at any time without having to, I hate to say play by the rules, you know, of, of another platform or something like that, but you have a lot more control over it. And that's extremely important because we as marketers, we have to we have to own our own outreach. We have to own our own audience engagement as much as we're able to. And um, you know, by relying too much on other places, that is just an inherent risk and challenge. So what does that mean? Like, what do we do with a website? When we're talking about websites for, um, let's say, a local business or for a consumer brand or for a business to business like service provider what does that mean how do you use the website well i think it should be a few different things first of all it should be an information source true so it should be where your audience can find out information about you and your product or your service right so giving the information that you need to give so people understand what you do I mean, it also needs to be something that is user-friendly. Right. So oftentimes you'll get an increase in bounce rate, which detracts from your SEO. So is detract a word? Detracts a word, absolutely. Okay. So what does bounce rate mean? Bounce rate, I, I'm a very visual person, so I think of it like a rubber ball being bounced off a wall. I mean, somebody goes to your site, bounces right out because they either didn't find what they wanted or what they saw was not what they expected, or you know, for a variety of reasons. But basically, that means somebody goes to your site and then leaves. So, um, and bounce- Google does not like that. Yeah, Google doesn't love it. You know, we we as marketers should strive to have as low of a bounce rate as possible. It's never going to be zero, right? It's never going to be. Uh, rarely will it be single digits site wide. Um, however, we can and should strive to make that as low as possible. And you can do that by having very purposefully built out and purpose-driven pages on your site that relate and are uh, very specifically focused on whatever the 
expectation is that the visitor would have. So what I mean by that is if you're sending web traffic to a page on your website and um, the page that they get there is unrelated to the ad or to the blog post or, or the social post or whatever that they'd clicked on, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to forget. You're going to be like, why am I here? And you're going to bounce back out. But if you could have this acute focus on, oh, this traffic source is going to this page for this reason, and then you can align your messaging to that, your bounce rate will go down and your user experience will be higher. Or, yeah. or better is the, is the way I should have said that. In all that, it matters in analytics. So, like, we got off on a tangent because SEO is obviously still important, you know, before they change that. And, and that's what we do. We tend to get on tangents here. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, we nerd out. We talk about things. And these are conversations we have. But when other people are listening and trying to learn, sometimes I'm like, wow, we need to get back to the point. Where do we go? Where do we come from? Um, so, your question was, like, what should a website do, right? So it should provide information, but to Patrick's point, it should provide the information your audience is looking for, because if not, you will not see the movement that you're looking for and your audience will understand and it will be wasted effort, which is like really crappy too. So it should do that. And then there's a couple other ways that a website can serve you. We talk about this, like, are you looking for your website to be lead generation? Is it going to be like a portfolio or like what, what Patrick are the different kind of categories that we use when we talk about websites with clients? Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a variety of, of ways that we think about websites. We can think of them as revenue drivers in the most traditional and truest sense, which is somebody's going to your website to transact, buying a product or booking a service and paying for it or something like that. There are what we call validation or portfolio sites. Um, somebody goes to your site to see what you do and, um, you know, to, to validate that you can solve the problem that they are seeking to solve. There's the lead generation site. So those are for companies um, that cannot or do not transact online through e-commerce or some other functionality. So what we're doing is we're converting somebody to fill out a form or in, in some other way, shape or form raise their hand and saying, hey, I'm interested in you in what you do. Please contact me. And then there's also just flat out informational websites. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that I think in today's day and age is um, it is fewer and further between, especially if it's a commercial website for an organization. Like, you know, you want that to drive some type of, of business value for you. But there still are plenty of just blogs out there that just want to share great content. And it's less about you know, providing a lead or, or revenue, but it's more about providing great content. Mm -hmm. um, so those are really the three that I tend to think of. I'm sure that we can split hairs and start to create more, but I like to think about um, transactional or commerce-based, portfolio or um, validation-based, lead gen-based, and then uh, information-based. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to distinguish and determine what kind of website you want because oftentimes people go and projects go awry because it starts with one thing and then all of a sudden they're like, well, what about this thing or whatever? And then you've kind of Frankensteined mm -hmm. some things together and it's not really doing anything very well. And in order to determine what kind of website you need, guess what I'm going to say? Everybody guess. I think we could say it together. We need to look at and develop your marketing strategy. Marketing strategy. I didn't know when we were going to say it together, so I waited. But <laughs> marketing strategy is the answer. 
Yeah. Go back to that a million times over. And your marketing strategy is going to define your web strategy. Mm-hmm. And your kind of customer strategy and, and your sales strategy is going to be what defines your marketing strategy. So these are all these are all related, right? Like And they should be related. Absolutely. You need to know your customer. Mm-hmm. You need to know how to engage with that customer. And then you need to know what information would be most important to that customer in order to then provide the best value, the most amount of value. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, we try to use analogies to make it make a little bit more sense because marketing is so huge and so full of nuance and thought and diversions and things like that too. But like, if you are trying to get to a destination the fast way possible and you have to go a bunch of detours, you get there and you're like, oh my God, this could have taken me 10 minutes, but it took me 35 what the heck, right? right? Businesses and organizations without a clear marketing plan or path often find that, right? If you would rather get to your destination faster and oftentimes cheaper too, a little totally. bit, not so taxing on resources, we'll call it, because it's not just about the money. Sometimes it's about talent and like all that stuff, right? If you want to save that and maximize it essentially, like, have a plan in place and understand where you're going to go so you don't take those detours and you don't waste time and resources and things like that to kind of get there. So your marketing strategy drives a lot of that and that will help you determine out of those four kind of websites where you might need to to develop your your look and feel and what it does and all that kind of stuff like that. Look, we've wasted tons of time and money building websites which functionally are great, aesthetically are awesome, but they aren't aligned with the business goals and therefore they don't produce the kind of payback ROI that you would expect. It, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of an example now and, and um, we spent a lot of, uh, effort and money on creating an e-commerce store for somebody who just wasn't all that, I don't want to say capable, that, that's not the right word, but they weren't promoting the e-commerce functionality because they traditionally had gone through different sales um, kind of methods and, and sales uh, paths. So the e-commerce store ended up being kind of a catalog. And it, it provided value, but it didn't provide transactional value. Um, and that, and, I think, goes to, like, you know, they saw somebody else and it was like, well, that person's doing this and that business is doing this, so we have to do it. No, if your marketing strategy and your plan and your revenue-driving department, right, marketing sales together, has decided that that's not it, it doesn't matter what company X, Y, and Z is doing, even if they're your competition. If that's right. not what you're intending to do, you don't need to do, you don't need to keep up with the Joneses. You are your own business. You're your own, you know, entity and you need to do what's best for you. So when it comes to though, like, let's say like a transactional type of website like that e-commerce, what is like one thing we want people to think about? Like, how do they determine maybe that they want to have an e-commerce site? And like, what's like one tip that we can give them on that site? And we'll go through each site to kind of like give people tactical type of things. So. I love this exercise. This is cool. So a... <laughs> An e-commerce website, um, let's first distinguish there are two different types of businesses. If we really at the most broadest level describe that, 
there's consumer facing businesses and then you can have a consumer product or a consumer service business as a subsection and then you also have business to business and then again product or service so the first thing is to think about well who are we selling to and how did they buy online or how do they buy even in the more kind of broader spectrum like how do they how do they purchase whatever it is they're looking to purchase um so you look at your customer and you look at what are their activities and their preferences now that's not to say that you can never do something different than has been done before but your first step is to look at what are the buying preferences of my ideal customer profile my icp and then from there you can decide so if if you are interested in looking into building an e-commerce site the first thing to think of is how can i sell this online mm -hmm. <laughs> like just practically how can i sell this online if you are creating an engineered product meaning there's a thousand different questions that have to first be asked before a um, a product can be configured and quoted and built for you maybe an e-commerce store isn't the right option unless there are um, you know very specifically tailor-made widely applicable products that can be you know maybe put online um, and if you are that type of company that everything is custom everything is unique and there's plenty of them and they do extremely well Maybe e-commerce isn't the right path, but maybe a request for information or something like that is the better conversion point for that type of business. Um, I got a little bit onto a tangent. I guess I'm a little talkative this morning, but um, yeah, that, that's I think the first thing I would look at is what is my customer willing to do and how can I meet their expectation through use of my e-commerce website? And do I have the systems and processes in place to fulfill? Because people are accustomed to Amazon, right? So if you're selling online yes. and it's something that's going to take a long time to to manufacture, produce, and then ship out, right? Either being very clear about that or increasing your processes, figuring something else out. So there's a few other things. But what we will tell you when it comes to an e-commerce website, these are the type of websites that need to be so easy to shop right. and find information in each and on each individual product page. So you really need to think about your user and how they would purchase online, like put yourself in their shoes. So the takeaway for that site is you have to understand how they would even buy and give them all the information they need, the user experience of if they hit back, which drives me crazy, they hit back, don't kick them all the way back to the very first search page, to the very top of the page, if they're on the second page and they're halfway down. There's nothing more entertaining to me than when that happens. I have gotten very mad about it. So user experience is huge in this because people will leave websites like this because they don't want to, they don't want to deal with it. So true. Absolutely true. So the second one you talked about was kind of like a portfolio type of site. So like one quick question someone could ask themselves to like determine if maybe that's the kind of site that they're looking for and like what's one tip we can give them when it comes to like thinking about that. So a portfolio or a validation website is a good um it's a great strategy especially for organizations that get a lot of word of mouth referrals customer referrals and so on or you know maybe they do face-to-face -face network marketing you know that type of thing um or something that's very visual so i know course, that we absolutely. have that's we have 
a lot we talk a lot of b2b that's where we live but i know a lot of people have you know b2c type businesses right photographers things like that that you're doing something highly visual these are really great sites for people like that and then products and businesses like that absolutely yeah that's a good point i'm glad that you pushed back on that because um because you're right if if what you produce is highly visual or nuanced a portfolio or validation site is fantastic if you find that you get a lot of inbound referrals from past customers or from other people that you know in the industry and they say oh you've got to talk to to this company they do a phenomenal job at you know xyz insert thing here um when you go to your site when they go to your site you better have the information that backs up that you are good mm-hmm. at doing what that person or that you know search said that you would be good at doing yeah and i think the takeaway from that site if i can speak on that is especially if you have a highly visual product or service don't overdo it yeah don't make it and say that you have to showcase every single thing because then it really hurts the eyes and it's hard to follow and it's hard to understand so in these ones again user experience is like we'll harp on that till the cows come home on that which i never understood that phrase like well we're city folk till the cows come home someone's talking what that means when you add too much information like especially visually people can be turned off kind of easy and again we're not trying to get them to bounce off your site we're trying to showcase your expertise your service all the things that you do so consider actually how it looks and don't over give in that case leave some to the imagination so people say oh my gosh and then they reach out to you because of that the number one takeaway um or takeaway might not be the the way to say it the the number one thing you just have to do if you are going to have a validation or a portfolio based site is make it easy Vanessa finishes with me for them to contact you this is something that we say all the time if your website doesn't make it simple for somebody to find your phone number or a contact form Mm -hmm. or a button to email you or whatever Mm -hmm. you've failed yeah you failed. Yeah. Your website should make it easy for somebody to contact you. Yeah. And, and like sometimes we get a little bit of pushback at the beginning because we'll put contact forms on pages that people are like, well, I don't know if that needs a contact form. Like, I don't know. I think it does. I would rather have too many contact forms and then someone give feedback that there's too many than have not enough and we lose out on an audience who might be interested in learning more, talking to somebody or whatever, getting a conversation, getting in a conversation with someone. Yeah. And they just they just don't want to do it. So the next one we talked about is lead generation. Now this one I think is changing. The way that a lead generation website has has kind of morphed and iterated, I think is changing a little bit from traditional, but I think we'll stay with traditional for this case of like kind of top of funnel, moving to the funnel type of lead generation because we still see a lot of businesses do that. So what's the one question you kind of want to ask yourself, Patrick, when you're thinking of, do I need a lead generation site? Yeah, um, so I would think about, uh, again, how you do business and what your customer's expecting. Lead generation websites tend to uh, perform very well when you have a specific offer and a, we'll call it a product or a packaged service or something that just is relatively clear on what the deliverable, the product, the service, etc., would be. So I'm just gonna give an example. Let's say you're a home 
a home services company, uh, a roofer, a landscaping company, something like that. Um, and there are many of them competing in a geographic region, right? That they're, that's just the nature of the business. Um, you want to make sure that your website is going to make it exceedingly easy for somebody to contact you, thus you know, garnering you a lead, mm -hmm. a, a new opportunity to close business. So um, if you produce a, a product or a service that is simply explained, simply understood, and has great messaging about what the value that service or that product will provide for your customer, a lead gen site could be a fantastic idea. And I want to take a quick tangent detour and just kind of reiterate that not every website has to fit squarely within one of these four quadrants, right? Like this is a spectrum. There are perfectly viable use cases for an e-commerce website to also provide information or for a portfolio site because you are a videographer and you want to have an awesome demo reel, you know, to have a, a lead gen capture form because you are running social ads and sending people to a landing page to inquire about your services, right? This is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. So um, before we go too much further, I just want to really make that clear that Things don't have to fit squarely in each of those quadrants. Mm -hmm. So, Vanessa, what's what's an uh, easy tip for our listeners on um, what they should do for a lead gen type site? So I think you need to keep the information high level enough so that it makes sense what you're trying to do, right? And to Patrick's point, you know, these are, these are things that are like a little bit more easy to gather leads for because it's clear what you do. So keep your messaging high level and clear. Um, you need to make sure people can find ways to reach you. Like you need kind of a lot of buttons. You need like contact me, learn more, like to get that lead and to get that person to say, oh, I do want to learn more and to give you their actual information. You need to focus on putting buttons on every page. There needs to be a call to action on every page. There needs to be a form on every, every page that is outward facing to your audience needs to have a way for them to say, oh yeah, I do need to contact them. So. Do it at nauseum. Do it till you feel like you're blue in the face. Like put the buttons and put the contact form because you don't want to miss them on one silly page that makes sense to that particular subset of audience and then lose that lead. That's a great point. Yeah, so I want to add one more bit of information or tip here if I can, which is on any type of lead gen form on your site, I would recommend you require the minimum amount of information from that person. So it's easy to go overboard and want to request every bit of info from the, the prospective customer. But I know when I'm met with a contact form that is as long as a, a Word document and I'm overwhelmed, I just abort. I abandon ship and every, uh, every customer is feeling that in some way, shape or form. Yeah, there's definitely fatigue around that. And I, full disclosure, I'm guilty of giving fake information. Because I want the thing, I want the information, I want the PDF or whatever, but I don't want you to call me right away. Right. I want to self-serve the information because I may not be at the spot to be ready to purchase or to even know you are a solution. I just know I have a problem and my search led me to you. So minimum amount of information, make sure you're using it the right way. And you can still get really good data, 
with minimal key pieces of information provided. You don't need their zip code. If you're looking for regional business, you don't need to know what their zip code is. You're gonna assume it's around you, right? You don't need to know what their email is unless, you know what I mean? Like there's things that you can remove from it. So right. I got off on page there. Yeah, and, and, and but you're right. And I think what you're getting to is that this is, there is no prescriptive recipe for the perfect lead gen form, right? Like it's specific to your company. Mm-hmm. And and I think that we can kind of leave it at that. Yeah. So last website, we'll round it out with this last website of more of an educational website. So how do you kind of understand that maybe that's where you need, and again, to Patrick's point, your website, if it's the other three, can have education and it should, it should. have educational content on it. But what if you're trying to determine, you know, I just kind of want an educational website. I just want to talk about my product. What's like one way to determine that? And then what's one tip that we can give for that kind of thing? Yeah, so I know I find myself reading a lot of educational-based content in my day-to-day work life, whether it's something like um, content, the Content Marketing Institute or WPBeginner.com or something like that. What these people have done is they took something which was perhaps just sheerly a community-based thing, sharing great marketing content, sharing about how uh, tips and tricks to make your WordPress website better, things like that. And they built a platform and an audience, which then was able to be converted into a very viable business in the case of the Content Marketing Institute with his books, Joe Paluzzi's books and his um, conferences, WP Beginner, which does consulting and has then spun out into doing uh, multiple WordPress um, businesses, products and services in and of itself. So back to our our earlier point like an educational based website can also turn into a lead generation or a transactional based website so i would kind of say like if you're looking to start something in your business um just to educate people on maybe a new way to do something or to inform people of your perspective on a certain problem or thing or something like that Focusing on the content and, you know, the ongoing blog or, or content articles or something like that or webinars or whatever it is that you do, keeping that front and center on your site and very easy to find is going to be extremely important. So I think a lot of times we see this specific website work really well for people trying to establish like their own brand. They are a figurehead in their industry. They're an influencer. They want to get speaking engagements. They're an author. They are a personality, all those kinds of things. That's usually where we see this. Um, It's also going to probably be like a a lead generation tool. You're going to want people to contact you, right? That's what Patrick said before of like these, a lot of these are like can exist together, but to separate them and talk about them, I think gives more clarity to people. Totally. So you can take this and it can be a multitude of things, but if you're, let's say you're trying to establish your personal brand, you're a blogger, you're a, you want to be an author, you want to be a speaker, all of the outward facing things you do will then become something that you can point to your site. So your social media, when you do speaking engagements, you know, at universities or whatever, when you publish your book and it's on a variety of different places, you want to be able to leverage your own website to drive traffic to that because again, you hold that as an asset of your own so you can really lean in and learn from that data to make smarter marketing choices. Cause it's really all about that. Kind of, we talked about, I said before, 
Getting from point A to point B is honestly so much easier when you have a direct route. You use less resources and it just makes more sense. I think that is the perfect way to cap off this episode. And we can kind of finalize this uh, this episode with maybe a couple takeaways. So the first takeaway that, that I would like to really call out is that your website is a marketing asset that can evolve with your brand and that you truly own where other platforms, while they are extremely important, I don't want to discount them, they are their own platforms and you are just borrowing time and space there. I think the next thing that I would like to say is any site, uh, whether you kind of wherever on the spectrum you sit from informational based to educational to transactional um, and uh, portfolio based, every website can and really should have uh, different I guess, different avenues for people to contact you and to learn from you. And at the end of the day, it's all going to depend on what your audience is going to be best served by. So obviously, you know, we kind of got a little nerdy with websites and things like that too. I hope this didn't go too far. Again, we've said this multiple times and we'll continue to say it. If you have specific questions, ask them because we can create more podcasts and content around answering the questions that you guys actually have because that's the most important to us we could sit here and talk about what we like and what we know but if it's not going to add value to you it's not going to work out well so we're glad you listened to this one if you have questions let us know again we're patrick and vanessa zangardi you can find us on a multitude of places first and foremost being our website zangardi.com we have a lot of information there we are easy to reach and you can sign up um, for our newsletter, which we send out once a week, um, jam-packed, short, jam-packed with a lot of information. You can also find both of us on LinkedIn. We're very active there. Vanessa Zangardi for me, Patrick Zangardi for him. We love to share content and things and tips and tricks that really work for businesses, big and small and individual people. And then you can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Again, Zangardi or Zangardi Studio on all of those different platforms. And as always, subscribe to our podcast so that you know when these drop because we want to give you the information that you're looking for. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.